Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Hey, welcome to Radiant Church. My name is Andrew. I'm Lee Pastor, and we're so glad you could join us today from wherever you're watching or listening from. If this is your first time joining us, hey, go to RadiantChurchSC.com and click I'm new. And we fill out that short form online for us as a way of saying thank you. We're going to donate $5 to one of the nonprofits that you see listed there, okay? Well, every year at Radiant Church, we invite you to join us in a season of prayer. And we actually have two of these seasons. One is in January, another one's in August, and they last for 21 days. And during this time, we ask you to really step up your prayer life. Do you begin to seek the Lord and His will and His guidance for your life and your family and your church community. And uh, we do it in January uh, because I think it's important to start the year off in prayer, but we also do it in August to kind of recalibrate. You know, summer starts to wind down. Students are going back to school. We kind of get back into our fall routines, right? And so, like, why not ask God to recalibrate our hearts and why not seek Him and His will for us as we enter the home stretch of the year? Year. And so to start us off, we're going to do an entire teaching series on prayer. Now, we haven't actually done this before at Radiant, okay? But we've got a few weeks here before we welcome uh, one of our overseers who's going to bring the message at the end of this month. We're excited for that. Uh, but we're going to put the focus on prayer in this series. And our theme verse uh, for this teaching series is going to come from the book of Ephesians. And Ephesians 6.18 says this, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Now, there are a lot of different prayers in the Bible. Jesus gives, you know, the, the Lord's Prayer. He does that as a model to show you how to pray. But there's also many different prayers and patterns in Scripture as well. You know, like Hannah, she pours her heart out to, in prayerful tears for a son. Jabez, we're going to see him next week. He prays a simple prayer of provision, and God greatly blesses him. Daniel, he fasts and he prays for God's revelation and in response. Man, Daniel holds influence over entire empires. And so this kind of makes you wonder, like, like how your prayer life, right? You know, for some of us, like we're really confident. We've been praying for a long time. Uh, we, we, we get like how to do it. It's not awkward. It's not intimidating. You know, like we're good. But for other people, it, it, can, it can be that way, right? Like maybe you're new in your faith and prayer isn't something that you've kind of done a whole lot of, or maybe you've kind of bought into the false notion that you, you have to use a lot of deep spiritual language these days, hallowed, right? Hallowed's important, important, uh, just to make it all make sense. And some of you, you feel really good about a five-minute prayer that was genuine from the heart, and then you feel like really discouraged, if not outright shameful, that you find out other people, they're like praying all night long, you know, and you're like, how, how do you do that? <laughs> so in this teaching series, I want to show you different styles and patterns, both of and for prayer. So next week, we're going to look at one man's simple prayer to the Lord, but today... We're going to examine not really a specific prayer so much as look at a pattern for how to approach God in prayer. And so my prayer for you is that you're going to grow and come away with a different approach to your prayer life each week, starting uh, with this message here. So let's start with what I'm going to call the prayer of Moses. Now, we're, we're going to look at an exact, we're not going to look at an exact prayer that Moses gives. We are going to look at the pattern established that allowed Moses to approach the Lord in prayer. 
there. So very quickly, in case you're not familiar with Moses, who was he? He's the leader that God raised up to lead Israel out of slavery from ancient Egypt into the promised land, which is today the nation of Israel. And so God had all kinds of plans for the Jewish people in Israel. And one of them was to establish a temple where his presence could dwell, and that would happen later under King Solomon's reign. In the meantime, though, God's presence dwelled in the Holy of Holies of what was called the Tabernacle. Now think of it as a, a portable temple set up in tents, and kind of see a picture of it right here. So today, um, you know, the presence of God doesn't dwell in a special room of a temple because, you know, the death and resurrection of Christ, we have God's Holy Spirit, and we carry the presence of God with us everywhere that we go. So God is speaking to Moses, all right? And um, he's, he's, he's talking to Moses about constructing this tabernacle in Exodus chapter 25, and he says this, Exodus 25, 8 through 9, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. And you must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the plan or the pattern that I'll show you. So the tabernacle was built according to a specific pattern, and each step or phase or stage, whatever you want to call it, was, was different. The temple, which would be built in Jerusalem centuries later, it was built in a, in a similar manner, but there were just more layers added to that. But regardless, the most important place was the Holy of Holies, which in the tabernacle and the temple um, contained the presence of God. In the tabernacle, it was a smaller tent that held the Ark of the Covenant, and it's here that God would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to a friend. Exodus 33:11 tells us that. Now I want to lean in this pattern more that the tabernacle was constructed in because I, I think it can serve as steps for how we can approach God in prayer today. See, God wants to meet you too, man. He wants to speak to you. He has, he has a word for you. He desires relationship with you. So how can you approach God in prayer? Well, it starts with the very first place you set your feet into when you walked into the tabernacle. It's a place called the outer court the outer court. Now, the first thing we do when you approach God in prayer isn't to give him a laundry list of stuff. Like, he's not your spiritual Santa Claus, okay? So, the first thing we do is we give God thanks. You give God thanks. When you give thanks, you have an attitude that reflects what? Reflects gratitude, exactly. So, gratitude is, is so important to have because it turns, you know, what you have into enough. Gratitude breeds contentment, which is not the same as settling, by the way. Contentment is being satisfied with what God has given you. If he doesn't give you more, fine, no problem. It's this attitude that says, God, even if you never do anything else for me, you are enough. Can you remember the last time, if you're even done this, where you told God how satisfied you were with just him? Like you're content with salvation and forgiveness and life forever in his presence. Like that's enough, isn't it? So let me give thanks. We can do it in a couple of different ways. We can verbally thank God and tell Him that, our, you know, that we are grateful for Him and what He's done for us. But we can also praise Him. Psalm 104 says this, Enter His gates, that's your prayer time here, okay, with thanksgiving, man, with praise and gratitude. Go into His courts of praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. 
we need worship. We'll talk about worship here in a few minutes, but man, we need praise too. Praise is jubilant and full of joy and energetic. Why? Because you're full of gratitude. The blind man whose eyes were open, he didn't quietly say, oh man, thank you, God. Like, no, he shouted. He jumped. He told people what happened. He was full of joy. God, heal me. He healed me. I mean, I can see. Like, start your approach to God off on the right foot. Be full of praise and gratitude. And so once you enter the outer court, you'd also notice a smell, and your eyes would drift over to this huge brazen altar where the sacrificial animals were being burned, and you'd walk by the altar, and it was a reminder of a couple of things. One, sin always has a price. It'll always cost you more than you want to pay, and that payment is death. If you die in unresolved sin, meaning you leave this life without having Jesus as your Lord and Savior who has forgiven you and covered your sins, you will spend eternity apart from God. You don't die once and for all, but you experience that eternal separation, which really is like a spiritual death in many ways, right? Because anything apart from the presence of God cannot be considered life, can it? Two, reminded you that in order to get to God, something had to pay that price for sin. And the law says you, you have to pay it, but that's not sustainable, right? So if we all died for our sins, no one could make it to the presence of God. So God sets up this practice of sacrifice where a bull or a ram would take the place of you and die in your stead for your sin as a substitute. And if you haven't picked up on this yet, it, it reminds you of what? The cross, doesn't it? Like you start your approach to God by giving thanks, but then you quickly shift your focus to the cross. Jesus died in our place as our substitute to satisfy the penalty for sin and turn God's wrath away from us once and for all. Look at Romans 5, 6. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time. Can I just tell you, God's timing is never early or late or slow. It is always right. And he died for us sinners. I don't know if you thought about this or not. When you think about Jesus and his death on the cross, there are four major wounds that really stand out to me. The crown of thorns, right? The nails in his hands and his feet, the scourging of his back and, and from the whips, and then the wound in his side where the spear pierced him. Now, just, just kind of follow me here, okay? Like, I think Isaiah saw a picture of this. Not literally speaking, but prophetically, he saw a picture of this. I'm going to take you to this passage in Isaiah 53. He says this, but he was pierced for our rebellion. What's a rebel? Someone who's crossed the line, who has knowingly and willingly gone too far. He was crushed for our sins. This, this is who you are. You're sinful. You're born into it. It's our hearts and attitudes and our minds. We're all bent this way. He was beaten so we could be made whole, so we can know real peace. You know, fear and anxiety could be defeated. He was whipped so we could be healed. Man, can I tell you this healing for you physically and emotionally, mentally, relationally, like it's all there for you. You can't approach God in prayer without taking time to focus on the cross, but I, I think you also have to do something else too. I think once you walk past that brazen altar and approach the smaller tent where the ark was, you'd see the lava outside. And you said, what in the world's a lava? Well, it was a bowl made of mirrors full of water, so when you wash, you could see yourself very clearly getting clean before you approach the presence of God. You had to clean yourself up and be made whole, right? And so this is where the next step in our approach to prayer comes into. We offer every part of our lives to God. Every part. We don't want to hold anything back. 
We offer God our thoughts, our dreams, our visions, our goals. We pray for God's protection of what we take into our minds. We offer God our eyes. We're not going to look with lust or envy. We offer God our ears. When we listen to His voice and not the enemy's voice, we offer Him our voice, right? We'll say what's uplifting and encouraging and used for the building up of other people, not for tearing them down. We offer Him our hands and our feet so we may serve others and be cognizant that we carry the presence of God everywhere we go. Romans 12, 1 puts it like this. So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living, holy sacrifice, the kind He'll find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. We don't live according to the Old Testament sacrificial system any longer, but God wants us all of us, every part of us. When we offer our lives to Him, that's all of who we are. It's an act of worship, and it pleases God who finds delight in it. All right, so now we're in the smaller tent. And one of the first things you notice is the large menorah or the candlestick, okay? And typically when the menorah is present in Scripture, it's, it's, it's with, 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 with light, okay? It's a symbol of power, anointing, ability, holiness. And it's here we uh, approach to God in prayer. We invite the Holy Spirit to work in us. We ask the Holy Spirit to stir the gifts up. We ask the Holy Spirit to use us for God's glory, to teach us things that come from the Lord. Holy Spirit, we say, show me how to lead my company and my employees. Holy Spirit, help me in my studies this semester. Holy Spirit, stir the gifts in me so I can reach and influence people for you. Listen to Paul's words to Timothy about inviting the Holy Spirit to be at work within him. 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7. This is why I remind you to what? To fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but a power and love and self-discipline. Why are we fanning those flames? Because God has given us a spirit, the Holy Spirit, who's full of divine power, who doesn't cower in fear to the enemy, who loves the hardest and coldest hearts and possesses the discipline to keep us on mission because, man, time is short. God has given you gifts. He's embedded those within you and He's calling you to walk and live in those gifts. Do not forget to invite the Spirit of God to be at work within you as you pray to the Lord. Now we turn from the candlestick and we see this table and on it are 12 loaves of bread which represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And these loaves are, are fresh. And if you've ever been around fresh homemade bread, <laughs> oh, buddy, right? Like that smell, the taste, like all you want to do is grab a big old tub full of butter and just go to town on that bread. So good. This bread was called the show bread or shoe bread. And while it represented the 12 tribes in Moses' day, I think it can serve to represent for us in our approach to God in prayer, finding promises in His Word. Throughout the New Testament, the bread is seen symbolically as the Word of God. You know, you find these promises in God's Word, and then you pray these promises from His Word over your life. In Matthew 4, Jesus is being tempted by the devil, and the first rebuke He gives the enemy is this. He says, people don't live on bread alone, but they, they live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. you got to eat every day to keep your body physically nourished. I'm telling you, man, to, to, to be spiritually nourished, you got to be in God's Word every day, too. Even if all you can do is the audio book, just, just do it. <laughs> just, just get in God's Word. Let it be a part of you. Pray those promises of your life, over the lives of your family and your friends in your community. Now I'm going to say something else that really needs to really sink in with you today, I think, too. 
the culture cannot be the standard. You cannot measure your life according to how the culture is functioning and if you're kind of in or out. The culture is not the standard. The Word of God is the standard. You must align yourself to God and the promises from His Word. All right, last piece of furniture we encounter before reaching the very presence of God is the altar of incense. And it's here where coals from the altar outside will be brought in to burn the incense. Think about that for a second. The coals that burn the sin offerings were used to fill the tent with incense, to send that sweet aroma into the air up to the throne room of God. Can I tell you today, the sweet aroma God desires from us is our worship. In our approach to prayer, we must worship the Lord's name. Now, worship is different than praise. I, I like praise. Praise is fun, energetic, and joyful, full of gratitude. Praise is thanking God for what He has done and what He will do. But worship is different. Worship is more somber. It's, it's reflective. It's deeper. You're not thanking God for what He's done. You're thanking God for who He is. Lord, You are worthy. You are holy. You are true. You are love. You are righteous. The psalmist puts it like this, Psalm 95, 6 and 7. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let's kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God. We are the people He watches over, the flock under His care. And if only you would listen to His voice today. The old saying is, is that a man on his face can never fall from that position. Man, isn't that true? When we worship, we humble ourselves before God and we turn our affection to Him. We worship God for who He is. A person's worth, listen to me, a person's worth is found in their name. Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong fortress and the godly run to Him and are safe. Who is God? Well, listen to some. These are not all but just some of the names of the Lord. God is Jehovah Jireh. It's the God who provides. Abraham built an altar after God provided a ram to sacrifice instead of his son Isaac. It's here where Abraham gave God this name because the Lord provided. God is our provider, man. He provides for your needs. He's a substitute for your sins in Jesus. He provides guidance and wisdom. He provides a way out of temptation when it strikes. God is the ultimate provider for you and for me. God is Jehovah Nishi, which means God is my banner. What does that mean? I mean when Israel was fighting the Amalekites. Moses lifted his hands up towards heaven, and as long as his hands were raised, the Israelites were winning. They would look and see Moses with his arms raised high, and they were encouraged. And when the battle is fierce, man, when the heat is heavy, soldiers, what do they do? They look for their colors, right? They look for their flag. Francis Scott Key was aboard a British ship as a prisoner during the War of 1812. There was a massive assault on Fort McHenry in Baltimore Harbor, and the battle raged all night long, and in the morning, Key's saw the flag of the United States of America flying high and he was so inspired and so moved he penned the poem which will later be put to song and become the Star Spangled Banner. Can I tell you this, that when you are locked in spiritual warfare, when you face struggles, when you are really at your wit's end, you feel defeated and it's inevitable, can I say look to God, right? Look to the Lord, man. He's your banner. Fix your eyes on Him. Know there's victory in Jesus, man. There's hope and there's a tomorrow because God 
God is your banner. And when you fix your eyes on Him, you know help is on the way. He's Jehovah Shalom. That's the God of peace. And what's Shalom? It's the state of creation, the way that God intended it. Read what the Garden of Eden was like in Genesis before the fall and sin. It's the absence of strife and conflict and evil. If you want to reset in your life, if you want things to be the way God intends, you look to God who's your peace, who can set things right and restore every person and relationship and every heart the way that He intended it to be. One more for you. God is Jehovah Rapha. He's the God who heals. He cares so deeply for you. God can heal your physical ailments, your diseases, your conditions. He can heal you emotionally. He can heal you mentally. He can heal your marriage. He can heal your heart and put the pieces back together again. God can heal you and make you whole today. Man, when you approach God in prayer, when you make sure that you're worshiping His name, great things can happen. What He wants more than anything from you is for you to declare His worth. Tell Him what He means to you and send that worship towards Him. Finally, you turn and you see it. It's the Ark of the Covenant. Now, I love Indiana Jones. <laughs> There's a lot of fiction in Raiders of the Lost Ark, but the actual Ark of the Covenant replica in the film is not too far off from what you read about in Scripture. One of the first things you notice, or at least I do whenever I see the depiction of the Ark, is the two angels whose wings are pointed towards each other. And in between was called the mercy seat, and it's here where God's presence was said to dwell. Moses would enter the Holy of Holies, as the high priest would do many years later, and he would do that really for one purpose, and it's the final approach we should have for our prayer lives today. It was to intercede for others. Moses interceded for an entire nation. So many times God's anger would burn. <laughs> He'd be ready to start over. Moses, stand back. I'm wiping the snot-nosed people I've called mine from the planet, and I'm going to rebuild with you. And Moses would throw his hands up in the air, and he'd say, Lord, don't do that. You know, he would plead on behalf of the people, and God's anger would subside. Like, we don't have a temple system in place today because of what Jesus has done. So who intercedes for us then? Well, the author of Hebrews gives us some insight. Hebrews chapter 7, verses 24 and 25 say this. But because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. And therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. Very important. He lives forever to what? To intercede with God on their behalf. Jesus is interceding for us on our behalf in God's presence before His throne. He knows what we're experiencing. He knows what we're going through, what life is like down here. He lived it after all. And so He knows just how to approach God for us. Look, we, we need to have the same posture, I think, in our prayer for other people. We need to approach God in prayer, interceding for our, our families, our co-workers, our friends, the people we love, the people we don't love so much, <laughs> right? Uh, we pray for everybody, and we intercede because we know no matter what people are facing, no matter what situation they're in, Jesus is and always will be the answer. During these 21 days of prayer, I, I want you to make it a point to deeply engage God in prayer. Man, finish this year strong. Approach your prayer time with praise and gratitude and thanks. Focus on the cross. Offer all of you and who you are to the Lord, man. Make sure to invite the Holy Spirit to be at work within you and teaching you and shaping you and revealing things to you. Find the promises in God's Word. Pray them over your life and your family's lives. Worship the Lord and His name. Pray for other people. 
I think we follow that pattern. Man, we, we, when we engage in prayer with this approach, it can really revolutionize how you pray. And some of you really need that. Your prayer life will never be the same. But now they're where you walk with God. So, so don't worry about saying the right things. Just pray from the heart. Pray, you know, what's real and genuine and offer these prayers to the Lord and watch what God does in the lives of others and how your prayers, well, they actually can change you. Can I pray for you here today? Father, I thank you for those who are watching and listening right now. Lord, I, I'm excited for this new season of prayer that we're entering into as a church and those who are watching and listening, or I pray, enter in with that uh, season of prayer with us. And I pray, Lord, that in our approach to prayer, we make sure uh, that we're thanking you. We have those, that, that gratitude. Lord, I, I pray that we invite the Holy Spirit to be at work. I pray that we, we look to you and worship your name. And I, I pray, Lord, that in these prayer times, you would shape us as we're praying for others and calling them out to you, God. As we're, we're on our hands and knees in your presence. I pray that you take our hearts and change us and guide us and mold us in the people you're calling us to be. God, I pray you have a word for us during this season of prayer that you would speak to our hearts, speak to our lives, God. Direct us and guide us. Give us that word that we might need from you. Lord, help us to finish this year strong. May we be light in a dark world wherever, wherever we go, God. And I pray, Lord, that, that this season, uh, as we focus on our communication with you and our prayers with you and that walk with you. Would you strengthen and encourage us and build us up and get us ready to carry out the mission that you have for us in our lives. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or if you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.